Hello, welcome to our next of our studies in the parables of the kingdom and we're looking at the kingdom to come and it's the parable of the ten bridesmaids or ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 to 13. Let's pray before we look at these verses. Heavenly Father, thank you for the studies in the parables, challenging though they are. Lord, we thank you that you've been speaking to us and we ask, Father, that you would help us to respond in faith and obedience to your word. Lord, change us and transform us by the renewing of our minds. And, Father, we ask that you would help us to grasp truths today that will impact upon us, not just in theoretical ways, but, Lord, in the way that we live in response. Lord, give us faith and give us the grace that we need, Lord, to follow what you say today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 25, 1-13 At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there, be, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Thanks, Joel. Now this parable reminds us that Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again, because it looks forward to the consummation of the kingdom when Jesus returns. Now the first arrival of Jesus was predicted way back, and that came true. And Jesus also predicted his death and his resurrection in his ministry, and that came true. And he also predicted his return, and that will come true as well, of course. And Christians live with a great hope and expectation that Jesus will return, not as a suffering saviour, but as king to bring in the fullness of his kingdom. There will be resurrection, judgment, and the new creation. And this is a fantastic, solid hope that the world will not continue as it is. We have good things to look forward to. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 5, it reads, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Well, the first thing that we see from this parable is that the return of Jesus will be sudden, unpredictable, but we must be ready. And this echoes what we see in the earlier chapter, chapter 24, and breaking in at verse 36. But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And then to verse 44. 
So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the Master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. In several parables we see that the kingdom to come is shown as a time that will bring about exciting opportunities to serve God in a sin-free world. And we have responsibilities to learn here and now. And if we are faithful that will result in even greater responsibilities to serve the master in the future. The second thing is this, that the return of Jesus will bring about the consummation of the kingdom of heaven. Good things are in store. The wedding imagery is used again. There's joy and celebration, a picture of happiness. And we have the ten virgins or ten bridesmaids. Now being a bridesmaid was and is a great honour and responsibility. Socially back then it was even more so. And weddings were held toward the evening, so lamps were used by the bridesmaids to welcome the groom to the bride's house, a bit different from our experience of weddings. And then when the groom was welcomed and had obviously arrived at the bride's house, then later there would be a procession back to the groom's place. So here's a picture of Christ coming to collect his people and to take them to be with him. And we see this is something very precious, very romantic, you might say. But thirdly, we need to be wise and ready, to be wise and ready. So there were five bridesmaids, five were wise, and there were five bridesmaids who were foolish. Five were prepared and five were unprepared. Five got into the wedding, but five were shut out. And a key lesson is we must not be foolish, we must not be unprepared. Going back to chapter 25 now, verse 1. At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. I remember staying at someone's house years ago when helping with a holiday club in uh, Somerset. And on the wall of the bedroom I was borrowing for that time, there was a little poster and it said, maybe today, maybe today. And it referred to the possibility that the Lord's return could have been that day. And of course, it still could be. We need to be prepared. It could be today, but we need to be prepared for the fact it could be a little while longer or a long time. But we need to be ready. Verse 5 says the bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now right from the beginning, as we read through the New Testament, the church lived with the possibility that it could be very soon. And from our perspective, not knowing the date and just reading what we see around us, going on in the world around us and looking at the Bible, from our perspective it is always imminent. For every generation of Christians it, it has always been imminent. It could be soon could be today and we need to keep that perspective in mind and heart ultimately we, we don't know when so therefore we need to be ready now all the ten bridesmaids got sleepy but only five were ready and notice that no one gets into trouble for being tired and falling asleep normal life goes on for us God isn't 
expecting us to, to wait up all the time for his return, for the return of his son. It could be today, it could be in 10 or 100 years. I think we'd all say that the probability of it being a long time away gets less and less, and that's obvious. But we need to be ready for whenever. Verse 6 of our parable, At midnight the cry rang out, Here's a bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. At that crucial point, it was unfair to ask the wise ones to share their oil. It was foolish in itself because to share the oil out would mean using up more fuel more quickly and the lamps would not be able to light the whole journey where they were needed. And when it comes to us being ready for the return of the Lord Jesus, we can't piggyback on the faith of others. We can't be believers relying on the faith of others. We need a personal faith and a personal readiness. It is absolutely essential. The Life Application New Testament Commentary says this, that when Jesus returns to take his people to heaven, we must be ready. Spiritual preparation cannot be bought or borrowed at the last minute. No one can rely on anyone else. Our relationship with God must be our own. And so, fourthly, we see that there's a, a real point of last chance here. Verse 10. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. There will come a time when the door is shut, and a time when it is too late. Now, some children work really hard to get their homework in on time. Maybe you were one of them. And some don't take those deadlines so seriously, to put it maybe mildly. Now, I notice how some teachers threaten a deadline, a date that the work has to be in by. And the serious student works hard to meet that deadline and hands it in with the, the sweat dropping from their brow. But then the teacher says to the class, I've not had all the work in, I'll give you till tomorrow. Well, that doesn't seem fair, does it? Now, God gives most of us a lifetime to be ready. But there will come a point when the door is closed, when the deadline has been met, when it is too late, and that's the stark and the plain message in verses 11 and 12. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Here were a group of young women that all appeared to be looking forward to the wedding and their role of welcoming the groom and escorting the procession. But only five took it seriously. Only five got into the wedding. Now, they were all dressed for the role. They all had their lamps, certainly. We know that, it says there. They were all outside the, the wedding venue. So to any onlooker, they all appeared to be equally ready and part of the great event. Now let me ask you a difficult question. Are you a real Christian? Are you ready? Now, we may not like to ask that question because we might be scared of challenging people and putting them off their investigation of Christianity. There's people who might be on the edge of things, if you like. And of course it can be asked sensitively, and I trust that it is now, but it needs to be asked. In a number of the parables that we've studied recently, there's been brought home to us the fact that there will be some people who 
look rather like Christians, but in the end, the truth gets out, and they're not. And there is an utterly devastating possibility of being shut out the kingdom of heaven. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. We need to take that very seriously. And that leads to the, the last question. Five. How can we be ready? How can we be ready? John Broadus, the commentator, wrote this. The only way to be ready when Jesus comes is to be ready always. The only way to be ready when Jesus comes is to be ready always. Now, if you take something seriously, you'll make steps to get ready, won't you? If you're looking forward to going somewhere and you're taking it seriously, you'll get ready for it. You'll take the steps necessary to be ready when the time comes. Now, what made the difference between the wise and the foolish girls? Well, the first what, foolish ones we take, they were not prepared. They were not, if you like, truly watching. Now, if you notice, the punch in the application of the parable is keep watch in verse 13. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So, again, taking the foolish bridesmaids first, the foolish ones were not truly taking their role seriously. They didn't treat the groom or the bride with the care and with the respect they should have. Because if they did, they would have made sure that they were ready. It just makes logic, logical sense. The Holman New Testament commentary says, Our preparedness for Christ's coming demonstrates our personal trust and respect for him. And that's obvious that if we are truly trusting in Christ and respect him, then we will seek to be ready for him. So the simple message of the parable is, don't be foolish, be wise, be ready. So, how can we be wise? What do we have to do? What is being wise? The Bible has a lot to say about wisdom. Famously, we have the Proverbs. For example, Proverbs 8.33, Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. And as Proverbs 9 tells us, we need to be teachable and to take God totally seriously. Proverbs 9 verse 9, Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. We need to be teachable. And then verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So there, the essence, the beginning of wisdom, the start where it all begins is to take God seriously and with deep respect. And it is the gospel message that calls us sinners to be saved through faith in Jesus. It calls us to be repentant, to turn away from all sin and to believe and to follow Jesus. And it calls us to do this for the rest of our lives with the best of our lives. It's not a weekend hobby, but a whole new way of thinking and living, putting God's God first and God's things first. It means to be committed to following Jesus as Lord, Lord of all. And it calls us to make a life-changing decision so that we will be saved and not go to hell. Our performance doesn't make us saved and forgiven person. But that very step of faith to commit our lives to Christ, believing that he died for us, committing our lives to him in response to his first love to us, we are 
forgiven as we put our faith and trust in Jesus and we are saved and we will not go to hell. But by the essence of the kind of choice that we're making when we become a Christian, we can't truly make that choice to be a disciple of Jesus without taking God very seriously. And if we do make that decision, and obviously take God seriously, it will change our lives. The kind of wisdom that God wants us to have for us to be ready is the wisdom that results in living a life filled with the Spirit of God, thoughtful, making the most of every opportunity to do what's right and good. It means to be joyful and grateful people, people who fellowship with each other, praise God, and are thankful to the Lord. There's a lovely picture of this wise, ready kind of living in Ephesians 5, verse 15. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's, that's wisdom, that's wise living. That's, that's living that we need to aim for if we take God seriously. And of course, taking God seriously is where wisdom begins. So we need to be wise, we need to be ready. Well, how do we do that? How can we be ready? Well, it follows on from what we've just said, by the kind of, living the kind of life for Jesus that we've just read in Ephesians 5. There's the truth in the thought that we need to be living our lives so that if we knew Jesus was to return this evening, we wouldn't have to change much in our diary for the day. See, if we are ready, living the kind of Ephesians 5 life we just read, we certainly wouldn't be embarrassed about our plans for the day. We may drop something as if we know the Lord is coming that evening, but we certainly wouldn't be embarrassed about the plans that we had in our diary for that day. We need to be living lives so that if we knew the Lord was coming tonight, we wouldn't have to put on any behaviour or totally change our attitudes. That's what we need to be aiming for. We would all long, of course, to be living the very best and better lives when Jesus returns and have even more godly attitudes. No sensible Christian would ever think that we can reach perfection in this lifetime and will be longing for more. But if we have to do any 180 turns in our attitudes and behaviour when Jesus comes back, that's not where we should be. It's put another way in Luke chapter 12. Jesus puts it in a par parabolic way in verse 35 be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks they can immediately open the door for him it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes truly I tell you he will dress himself to serve will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them it will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak but understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Over the years, Christians have often got caught up with thinking that to be ready means to understand all the prophecies and to have a stab at working out the date when Jesus will return. But Jesus has told us that no one, not even the angels in heaven, nor himself whilst he was on earth, 
No one knew the time apart from the Father. So to be ready is not to delve into endless speculation about, uh, about timings and dates. We're not to speculate, speculate about what we are told we won't know. We don't need to know the date, though, if we're ready. We need, of course, to be understanding that the prophecies that we read in the Bible are keeping us on our toes as we look at what's going on around us in the world, keeping us alert, reminding us of the imminence of the Lord's return. But we don't need to know the date to be ready. And, of course, if we knew the date, what would happen? Well, some people would, kind of like returning your homework to school, would wait to the last minute to get ready, uh, and that wouldn't be good. We need to be doing the things that we should be when Jesus returns now. That's our aim, that's our goal. And that basically is living our everyday lives for Jesus, doing what's right that day, and to live each day aware of the real potential of Jesus' return. Now, we're in the kingdom now for a Christian. The return of Jesus will not bring in something totally new in one sense. It'll be a development and consummation of what is already happening. And to... Red, to be ready, for us to be ready, we should be living our lives with attitudes and behaviour as close to what life will be in the kingdom to come. We need to aim that our attitudes and behaviour will be as close as possible to what they will be, how we will be living in the kingdom to come. So this means that we must take Jesus and the gospel seriously. That's the wise thing to do. We need to repent. And we need to become Christians if we haven't. That's fundamental to being ready. We cannot be ready without that step of faith and trust in Jesus. And those of us who are Christians, and when we become a Christian, we need to, as much time we have, obviously there are people like the, the thief on the cross next to Jesus who had very little time to grow as a Christian, but he grew a lot in those few, few minutes, even those few, few, one or two hours he had left. But as Christians who have time, who have our lives ahead of us, we have the responsibility to continue to grow in wisdom and preparedness for whenever it happens. Growing is being ready, don't forget. Stagnation is a deep concern. Matthew 25, verse 13. The end of the parable says, Therefore, keep watch. In other words, be alert. Keep these things in mind. Keep these things shaping you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. And then right in the last book of the Bible, Revelation 16, verse 15, the Lord himself says, Look, I come like a thief. In other words, it's going to be sudden. It's going to be at a time we can't predict, unexpected. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed, so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Pretended believers, half-hearted believers, we need to be warned. We need to take God seriously, get back to basics. We need to understand what the gospel is. Those who are unfaithful must realise that neglecting Christ's gospel invitation will lead to consequences that are irreversible and the time of opportunity to truly believe will at one point, one day, pass. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we ask that we would all be like the wise bridesmaids in this parable, that we would take you seriously, that we would be wise and ready for when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. That could be today, it could be in a hundred years, we don't know. 
but we ask, Lord, you'd help us to be prepared. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be ready through faith, simple faith in Jesus. If we were to be like the thief on the cross and to trust in you and die a few minutes later, Lord, it's that trust in the Lord Jesus which is, which saves by your wonderful grace. But Lord, if we have time ahead of us, if we have a life to live ahead of us, if we have years, months to go, Lord, we need to take our responsibility seriously. And we ask you to help us to do that. Lord, help us to be watchful, alert, and be ready. Lord, and we know that to be ready is basically doing the ordinary Christian things, the things that we should be doing as Christians every day. Lord, we ask that we might not have to be ashamed, Lord, when Jesus returns. But Lord, we ask for your help and grace to be wise and to be ready. Lord, you know our hearts, you know how this message needs to apply to us. We pray for those of us who are maybe struggling with assurance. And Lord, we know that we can be assured of our salvation. Lord, this challenge is not so that we might be scared that we're not saved. If we are a simple, honest believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting and seeking to follow him, despite our faults and failings, if we're heading in his direction with faith in him, we are safe and secure. Lord, bring that assurance afresh to their hearts and strengthen them, Lord, in their walk with you. But Lord, we bring our hearts to you and sometimes we Sometimes some people, Lord, are living with a an assumption because maybe their parents are Christians or their grandparents or, or because they've been to certain church services or, or, or even been christened or baptised and think that's, that's everything. They've, they've got, the, got the card, as it were, got the membership card and it's all done. Oh, Lord, please help us not to be complacent and rest on those kind of events, Lord, but help us to be living now wisely and prepared. Lord, help us to be truly trusting in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, committed to him, taking you seriously. Oh Lord, please help us in these things, these challenges to our hearts. And we ask these, all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.